Today in business from Wired. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off. My rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durban Marshall credit card bill. Hey there, this is the spoken edition of Wired. Brought to you by Expedient, the nation's leading enterprise cloud provider. Get to the cloud faster and cheaper than with big name cloud providers, and take advantage of white glove managed services like disaster recovery that actually works. Ready to learn more? Visit expedient.com/wired. As businesses reopen, some workers fear returning. By Sidney Fussell. As businesses reopen, many of the 40 million people who lost jobs in the past three months could soon face a dilemma: return to work and risk their safety, or lose their job and income. The U.S. Labor Department Friday said employers unexpectedly added 2.5 million jobs last month after a devastating decline in April. Economists expect more jobs to come back as officials in more places ease lockdown orders aimed at suppressing the coronavirus. Laws vary by state, but for most workers, refusing a call to return to work would bar them from receiving unemployment benefits, even if they don't feel safe. Worker advocates have asked the federal government for a singular definition of a safe workplace, but President Trump has said repeatedly that states should make decisions around safety. I've considered not returning to work, but what options do I really have? asks Dustin Schaefer, an IT worker in Pottsville, Pennsylvania. Schaefer was furloughed on March 20th. On April 27th, he returned to work remotely. Schuylkill County, where he lives and works, has entered its yellow phase of Pennsylvania's reopening plan, and Schaefer expects to soon be asked to return to his office. He's raised concerns with his employer, but has not heard specifics of how the company plans to keep IT workers safe. Being a small office building, it is impossible not to come in contact or pass by at least 10 to 20 other employees in a day, he says. Sanitizing definitely was not a priority or even thought about when it came to IT equipment being passed from employee to employee, location to location. In general, state and local officials will decide when businesses may reopen. In April, Trump told reporters that governors should call those shots instead of federal officials. Last week, a group of Senate Democrats, including Senators Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders, called on the Occupational Safety and Health Administration (OSHA) to conduct more on-site investigations and respond to workers' concerns of contracting COVID-19 on the job. OSHA, the senators wrote, has largely abdicated its investigation and enforcement responsibilities for even existing standards. A spokesperson for OSHA called the letter grossly inaccurate and said the agency is committed to protecting American workers during the pandemic, and OSHA has been working around the clock to that end. We need a very clear set of conditions for what makes a workplace safe, says David Maraskin, an attorney with Public Justice, a nonprofit representing workers. It's really hard for the employees to point to something and say you're supposed to be doing this and you're not. What we need is something that says this is what a safe workplace looks like. Some workers, dubbed essential by authorities, have faced the issue for months. 
This includes workers at meat processing plants. The United Food and Commercial Workers International Union estimates more than 3,000 meatpacking workers nationwide have tested positive for the virus. In Missouri, Maraskin represents workers at a Smithfield Foods plant who filed suit against their employer, seeking easier access to sick leave, more protective equipment, and less crowding on the line, among other changes. Three weeks later, a judge dismissed the case, finding that Smithfield took significant steps to reduce worker risk. After the case was dismissed, Smithfield started testing workers routinely. Dozens of employees were sent home after testing positive. Maraskin is considering refiling the case. A spokesperson for Smithfield says the company has instituted several OSHA-compliant safety protocols, including more protective equipment for workers, fever screenings for entry, and sick leave. Workers in public-facing roles face heightened risks, and many say their employers haven't done enough to stop the spread of the virus. In May, McDonald's employees in Chicago filed a suit saying the company hasn't done enough to protect its workers, even as it reopens dining rooms across the country. A spokesperson for the company says it disagrees with inaccurate characterizations in the suit and has instituted new safety protocols to protect workers. This week, an Illinois state judge permitted the suit to proceed, rejecting McDonald's bid for dismissal. Some employers, backed by lawmakers, are seeking protections from lawsuits if workers contract the coronavirus. In May, House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy said liability protections would be a priority in the next relief bill. In Iowa, Republican lawmakers are rallying in support of a bill offering coronavirus lawsuit protection to restaurants, hospitals, and meatpacking plants. Universities in Connecticut and nursing homes in Tennessee have sought similar protections. Without lawsuits, workers have fewer options if they demand change. This is especially true of essential workers. Earlier this week, a group of Amazon employees at the company's Staten Island Distribution Center filed suit, saying working conditions and high productivity expectations due to record demand have made social distancing impossible. Amazon didn't comment on the worker's suit, but said it has instituted preventative measures, including temperature checks, masks, gloves, enhanced cleaning and sanitation, and extended pay and benefits options. In early May, 14 sanitation workers in New Orleans went on strike, demanding hazard pay, higher wages, and more access to protective equipment. They formed a group they call the City Waste Union and began protesting at City Hall. Datrian Wilkin, the spokeswoman for the group, whose uncle is among the workers, says sanitation workers are in a double bind. Their work is especially valuable in preventing the spread of coronavirus, yet they are made more vulnerable. They have no protective gear, Wilkin says. If you're homesick, you just miss out on the money. They've never been offered benefits. They've never even been offered a permanent position. The striking workers are paid $10.25 but are demanding a $15 hourly wage alongside $150 per week in hazard pay. Because they left the job voluntarily, they're not eligible for unemployment benefits. Because they're not full-time, they don't have access to sick leave. The workers are employed by Metro Service Group, not the city itself. Days after their strike began, Metro replaced them with local inmates on work relief programs. A spokesperson for Metro says the company has been able to meet some of the group's demands, including more masks, but other demands, like increased wages, sick leave, and hazard pay, relate to contractual language decided at the city level and can't be adjusted. Without federal guidance, workers in states reopening have had to consider for themselves whether they feel safe enough at work to return or, crucially, if they can't afford not to. 
I am very concerned about contracting the virus, says Robin Fritz, a dog groomer in Boston working with a family-owned pet camp. I have autoimmune issues and generally am fine, but I catch chest colds and have other lung issues. Fritz resumed work part-time in June. Although her employer has instituted new safety protocols, she worries about her roommates and residents of a nearby nursing home. I'm very nervous I could get it and bring it back home, she says. The new policies at the shop only go so far. Fritz says she feels obligated to help the family-owned business because her employer is facing the same dire straits as other small businesses and might have to close its doors if business doesn't return. I don't really want to return, but work is like my family, and I want to keep it afloat, she says. It's been hard on them. Cody, who asked that his last name be withheld, works at a consignment shop in Pekin, Illinois. The shop specializes in furniture and discounted goods for the elderly and lower-income families. Cody received unemployment benefits after the shop closed in March, but has been asked to work when the shop reopens on June 8th. Like most workers, he would likely be ineligible for jobless benefits if he declines to return. But he's not sure his employer, even with new safety protocols, could protect him, especially if customers aren't taking prevention seriously. One of the last days I worked there, before they gave me the option to take leave, we had two customers cough all over us without covering their mouths. One even demanded that we shake her hand, he says. That's when I told them I had had enough and wasn't going to continue working if I had to worry this much about my health and the health of my loved ones. Before the shelter-in-place, Cody and his co-workers worked in close quarters in a company truck, picking up donations to take to the store. This is a troubling part of the job, he says. We sit three feet apart from each other all day, Cody says. My co-worker's girlfriend is extremely high risk, as is his mother, who just had heart surgery. Despite his concern, Cody is considering returning to work because the shop has a real impact on the community amid the economic downturn. We have a lot of great programs that do help the community, from the food pantry to the retail program that helps clothe and furnish the less fortunate he says. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.